Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our Bible reading is from Ephesians 5. I'm going to start reading from verse 1. And so Ephesians 5, starting from verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said... Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What difference should being a Christian make to our daily lives? How should knowing God change the way that we live individually and as a community? The author Tim Chester, in his excellent book, You Can Change, describes the story of a little boy who's just been adopted by a family. And for the first few months that he lives with them, whenever he has the opportunity, he he steals food and hides it away in his pockets and, um, and keeps it in his room for later. And you see, the reason is that the family he'd come from he could, never, he could never depend on where the next meal was going to come from. And so the habit he'd learned was to stash away food and hide it. And the point Chester makes is that now he's part of a new family where he's loved, that he can depend on. 
He doesn't need to live like that anymore. In fact, it's not really appropriate for him to live like that anymore. And, um, and he needed to learn over time that that was true in his experience. Now, in Ephesians, Paul has been teaching us that becoming a Christian means being part of a new family, God's family. And just have a look down at verse 1 from the reading. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Do you see, he's been saying um, way back in Ephesians 2 that we used to be part of a family that was living against God, in rebellion against him. And it was a terrible family to be a part of. We were, we were enslaved and addicted by living for our own sinful nature and um, following after the ways of the world and, um, and the forces of evil. And it was a terrible family to be part of, living against God but that Jesus died as a sacrifice and bore the penalty for our sin and rose again to give us new life and welcome us into the family of God. Just look again down at verse two. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, being a Christian is not about trying to um, achieve your place with God by your good works or being better than other people or more spiritual. No, it's about being forgiven because Jesus died in your place and being welcomed into the family of God with kindness, with grace, with mercy, with forgiveness. And the big thrust of the passage we're looking at this morning is very simple. You've been made one of God's children. So live as God's children. Verse 1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Live as God's children. There are three images that Paul is going to use to help us understand what that means. The first one is purity and impurity. The second one is light and darkness. And the third one is wisdom and foolishness. So let's dive in and see how Paul um, makes the point. And the first paragraph, verses three to seven, Paul says, God's children must be pure and not impure. God's children must be pure and not impure. And look, the point really in this paragraph is that pure and impure are absolutes. You're either one or the other. Now, if you take a, a glass of pure water like this one, and put just a couple of drops of sewage in it, it's no longer pure. You wouldn't drink it to save your life. It's impure. And you say, this is the um, point that Paul is making in this paragraph. As God's children, it, there are no shades of grey in terms of how you should live. You can't have one foot in each camp. You need to be pure and not impure. Let's have a look. Verse 3. But among you... There must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Uh, did you hear the repetition there uh, in verse 4, um, what are improper for God's holy people? Or again in verse uh, in verse 4, the things that are out of place. You see, Paul says there are some behaviours that just don't fit with your new identity as God's children. 
And so there should be not even a hint of them in our behaviour. Absolute purity in these areas. Uh, In particular, he mentions verse 3, sexual immorality. Uh, The word he uses there is a word for any sexual activity outside of the lifelong marriage of one man and one woman. And Paul um, says that any sexual activity outside of that lifelong um, union is not appropriate for God's children. There should be not even a hint of it. You know, the, um, the Gnostics of Paul's day said that um, you could do things in your body physically and sexually and they'd make no difference to where you stood spiritually. And many people say that today, don't they, in our sex-obsessed culture, that the things you do with your body sexually don't make any difference to who you are as a person. But every broken heart and every broken marriage and every case of abuse tells a different story. Now, the things that we do in the body really matter. And Paul says, as God's children, there should be not even a hint of sexual impurity, whether that's physical or mental, verbal or virtual. Live as God's children. Be pure sexually. Uh, He mentions greed in verse 3. Uh, and this is a phrase that describes our, our natural sinful desire for more stuff, our materialism, our hunger for a bigger salary, a bigger house, better holidays, more comfort. You know, it's one of those things. As a Christian minister, sometimes people come to you and they talk about the things that they're struggling with. Um, but I've never had anyone come to me and say, Andy, I'm just really struggling with how greedy I am. You know, no one ever thinks they're greedy. But Paul says, look at, our, look at your hearts. Verse 5, the greedy person is an idolater. You know, they're living to worship something other than God. You know, it's okay to be responsible with the income that God has given us. But if I think that having more things is the thing that will really keep me safe, or that more money is the thing that will give my life meaning and make it better, then I'm worshipping something other than God. You know, I don't need to bow down physically to money to be idolatrous. My willingness to give away my money to good causes and my contentment with what I've got will tell me a lot about who I worship. And Paul says, live as God's children with not even a hint of greed. Uh, He um, focuses on our speech in verse 4, obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking. You'll remember that Jesus said that out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouths speak. And so, of course, if we're dwelling on sexual immorality, or all our focus is on material financial things, then, of course, our speech will be coarse and rude, and, and it'll have none of the beauty of heaven in it. It'll just be focused on things here and now. And Paul says God's children must be pure and not impure. And look how stark the issue is. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now look, we all fail to live for God as we should. And Jesus died so that we could be forgiven, washed clean, given new life, welcomed into God's family through his grace. But if we've been forgiven, 
and welcomed into his family. It doesn't make any sense to live like we're still part of the old family in rebellion against him. Because the one whose life is characterized by sexual immorality and greed and crude speech and who isn't sorry and there's no battle and no desire to change, well, that one shows that they don't belong to God's family. They're not one of his kingdom. If we're God's children, we won't be comfortable with impurity in our lives. If you're comfortable with your sin, maybe you need to ask the question, who am I? Which family do I really belong to? Have I really trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour? But I guess for many of us, we'll read verses like these and feel deeply convicted. I know that I do. And the thing then is not to beat ourselves up, but to go back to Jesus. Ask him to forgive us for our sins and to help us to to see ourselves as God's children and to live like it more and more. Let me say it again. We won't achieve perfection in this life. All of us will fail in many ways. But we see in Ephesians that change is possible. That forgiveness is available in Jesus. But the point here is, it doesn't make any sense to live the old life. There should be no tolerance for impurity in our lives as God's children. Uh, Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. See, Paul says, be clear about this. Those who live in unrepentant rebellion against God are under his right judgment. So don't join in with them. You know, if you saw a group of children playing on a field of landmines, it wouldn't matter how much fun it looked like they were having. It wouldn't matter how much they begged you to come and join them. You definitely wouldn't. You'd see the danger they were in. We'd, we'd cry out to them, wouldn't we? You, you need, we need to get you out of there. But we definitely wouldn't be going to join them. And Paul says, be clear about this. Don't let anyone deceive you that sexual immorality will make your life better or that if only you had more money and more stuff and a bigger house, you'd be more happy. Don't let anyone con you that you can live with one foot in each camp, purity and impurity, or that it's okay to take day trips back to the old way of life. Live as God's children in purity, not impurity. Uh, But then secondly, in the next paragraph, in verses 8 to 14, Paul says God's children must live in the light and not in the darkness. Have a look down at verse 8 with me. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You see, the point again is that your identity has changed. You're now part of God's family, a child of light. And so live as children of the light. And again, there's no ambiguity in the image, isn't there? Either the lights are on in your house or they're off. And either the lights are on in our lives or they're off. We're all very used to the idea of living for what we want. But now we're to find out what pleases the Lord morally and live in righteousness and truth and goodness. 
And did you notice how the light relates to the darkness in this paragraph? Have a look down at verse 11 with me. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And Paul isn't saying expose the deeds of darkness as if Christians should be wagging their fingers at other people and telling them all the things they're doing wrong. Paul says that if you live as a child of God, if you stand out and you live as a child of light, it shows up the goodness of a life lived in God's family and it exposes the shabby alternatives. If you live in the light, your life will speak and show the truth about God. And look how Paul develops it in verse 13. Everything that's illuminated becomes a light. This is why it says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And Paul's probably alluding to the book of Isaiah there with this idea of light shining on you, but developing it to say, look, it's Christ who shines the light. And the point he's making is, when you live distinctively as a Christian, when you stand out as a child of God, a child of light, then other people see the truth about God. And along with the words of the gospel, Jesus uses that to wake them up. The um, the 20th century Bible commentator J.B. Phillips put it like this. Light is capable of showing up everything for what it really is. It's even possible, after all, it happened to you, for light to turn the thing it shines on into light also. I think of a friend uh, that I had in secondary school who was a Christian. Um, It was before I'd I'd ever heard the gospel clearly, as far as I can remember. But I knew there was something different about him. I really liked him because there was something different about him. And it was only when I went to his church, I began to understand what it was that drove the way that he lived. And, And I heard about Jesus. And you see, along with the words of the gospel that I heard... His life shone on the truth, made it clear to me, made it attractive to me. And it was part of what Jesus used to wake me up and bring me out of darkness into the light myself. See, Paul says, if we want to be useful and have a positive impact on the people around us, don't just blend in with your mates at work or at school or at university and do whatever they do. Don't hide in the darkness and um, live in a way that tells lies about God because it says he doesn't really matter that much. Stand out. Live as a child of light. And God uses that along with the words of the gospel to wake people up and show them the truth about God. God's children must live in the light and not the darkness. But then finally, in verses 15 to 21, Paul says God's children must be wise and not foolish. God's children must be wise and not foolish. Look down at verse 15 with me. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you see again that there are no grey areas here? You can be wise or foolish. And look, Paul says it's possible to waste your life doing all the wrong things. None of us wants to get to the end of our lives and look back and think, well, I wasted that, didn't I? What a fool I was in the things I invested myself in. Myself in. And so Paul says, be careful how you live. Understanding, verse 16, that the days are evil. See, what Paul means by that is that we live in an age where the family in rebellion against God is in the ascendancy. Now, of course, Jesus will return. He's risen. He'll come back. God will win. But at the moment, our age is characterized by rejection of God, rebellion against him. And so Paul says, don't waste your life just following the crowd and doing what everyone else does, being foolish in light of Jesus's return. Instead, understand what the Lord's will is. And he doesn't mean that in a small scale sense. You know, sometimes we say, um, I'm trying to work out if it's God's will for me to apply for this new job or something like that. And Paul doesn't mean that here. In Ephesians, we've, we've heard about the Lord's will a number of times already. The Lord's will in Ephesians means his big plan to save people through Jesus, to bring people together into his one family and to change the way that we live so that it pleases him and is what we're made for. So you see, to to understand what the Lord's will is, is to understand the gospel clearly and to understand the difference that it makes to our lives, to know how to live. And Paul says, if you're a child of God, don't waste your time just doing what everyone else does. Invest yourself in learning God's gospel and learning to please him in your life. And so when Paul says, make the most of every opportunity, he's not talking about time management. You know, you get those books, don't you? Seven habits of a highly effective person who gets everything done before breakfast. But Paul's not turning into one of those sort of time management gurus. He's saying, don't waste your time rebelling against God. Live as one of his children to please him. That might look very inefficient because it might look like prayer or encouraging other Christians, spending time with them, which isn't isn't a very uh, efficient way to spend your time. But it is using your time wisely. Now, just look at the examples that Paul gives in verse 18 and following. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Two things you can fill your life with and your time um, that will affect how you behave. Uh, You can fill yourself with wine. You can open another bottle at the end of a long day in lockdown and lose all control or be filled with God's spirit so that you're useful and encouraging to other people. Now, what does Paul mean by being filled with God's spirit? He's already told us in Ephesians 1.13 that every Christian has received the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of our inheritance. If you're a Christian, you have God's spirit. He's already told us that Christ fills his people, but there is a sense in which we can experience more of the spirit's ministry in our lives, being filled with or by the spirit. 
Uh, the letters of Colossians and Ephesians in the New Testament are actually really similar. I don't know if you've come across this. Paul, Paul probably wrote them at the same time, and um, they cover a lot of the same material. And in the parallel passage in Colossians 3.16, you know, do look it up afterwards. Paul says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You see, Paul, for Paul, those two ideas are parallel, being filled with the Spirit and being dwelt in richly by the word of Christ. You see, it's when the words of the Bible about Jesus, the words that are breathed out by the Holy Spirit, when those fill our hearts and minds, the Holy Spirit changes our lives. And so how can God's children live wisely and not foolishly? Well, get your Bible open and allow the Spirit to fill you as he redirects your heart and life in line with the rule of Christ, as he shows you what it means to live as God's children. And Paul gives five little examples in verses 19 to 21. Uh, in the original, they, they all, um, all of these phrases are connected to the initial command, be filled with the Spirit. And he says, verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you see, this is not something we do on our own. As we're filled um, with the Spirit, as God's word dwells in us richly, we encourage one another with the truths of the Bible. We, we, we speak to one another with psalms. We, we sing together. You know, it's, it's hard not being able to all be together in the building and do that, but, but we can still do that in our families around, um, around Sheffield. And, uh, you know, if you live by yourself, you can always phone a friend and you can, you can listen to the service together and you can join in encouraging one another. We, we give thanks to God. And yes, we we relate to one another in, in, in loving mutual submission. Paul says, don't waste your life living foolishly as if, as if you belonged to the old family. No, live as a child of God. Use your time wisely to please God and encourage other Christians. You won't regret it. And so as I close... I'd like to ask you two questions. First of all, which family do you belong to? Yeah, it might be that you're, you're watching all of this and you would say, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd call myself a Christian or, or not really. If that's you, I hope you've seen as we've worked through these verses that Paul says the consequences of living in rebellion against God are terrible, but the blessings of being part of his family through trusting Christ are wonderful. Can I encourage you, if you're not sure which of those families you belong to, ask a Christian friend if you could read the Bible with them and find out more. Or you could get in touch with us on the church website and we'd love to arrange for someone to meet with you and read the Bible and talk about these things more. But secondly, if you are one of God's children, will you live as God's children this week? You can't have a foot in both camps. You can't be a bit pure and a bit impure. 
You can't be a bit light and a bit darkness. You can't be a bit wise and a bit foolish. You need to choose which way you're going to go. And so this morning, can I ask you, will you live as one of God's children? Think differently about who you are and live in line with that this week. Let me pray that we would make a wise choice. Our Lord God, we thank you so much for the mercy and love of the Lord Jesus Christ that he died for us, that he rose to give us new life, that he welcomes us into your family. Help us to see ourselves as your children, as we are, and to live in line with that, in purity, in light, and in wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.